With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Welcome back. Uh, I am back. I have risen from the grave, much like Steve Smith. The uh, hallowed return. Uh, look, can I just say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Wasn't the same without you. We've missed you, Glenn. Uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, I was a mess. I was a mess last week, you know. Um, and also, I was sick. Um, <laughs> and this week... <laughs> Um, so I'm back uh, I'm a little bit gutted that I missed the last one um, we talked uh, you guys talked about your favorite uh, Australian player and your favorite international player yeah. and and I just kind of pondered on it and I, I I'm not going to reveal what I what I'm thinking about that maybe it'll be like a oh, I've got to know I've a got future, to know. a future podcast we might have to make the audience but anyway forward. anyway the ashes are ours the ashes are yes. still probably staying in England physically, but uh, <laughs> in spirit, we've we've got them. It's you know, staying home. Yeah. It's staying home. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, they, they don't move anymore, do they? It's just like they're too brittle. But yeah, it's got a big owned by Australia stamp on them now. Yeah. First time since 2001 that we managed to stamp it while we've been playing did, in England. Did they actually stamp it or like no, the universe has been stamp. Can they can they make some new ashes so we can actually like take them? Like uh, I, I think maybe take the bales from when Joe Root got bowled for a golden duck in the second innings <laughs> and burn them. That is the true the, that's the second death of of English cricket right there. I reckon seriously that's that's one of the greatest things about this sport that we call cricket and why we love it so much is that the history like there's just so much history in this sport there's so many so much history in a lot of sports but cricket has just been going forever and it values its history it really values yeah. especially test cricket values tradition and you know there's that pantheon of greats that's are all seemingly 
impenetrable by modern day players and you know it really sort of holds its history on a pedestal which is a great thing about about test cricket and cricket in general yeah mm. that's what I love about watching the game in England as well um, not just that there's more of a, a contest between bat and ball but the the history the tradition um, who doesn't like watching cricket at Lords yeah exactly it's got a lot of sport that respects its history so, as you can tell, we're all pretty pumped yep. while we're talking about the test at Old Trafford. Australia has not let it slip by like they did at Headingley. They've sealed the game, knocking um, England over right at the death of day five, going up 2-1 with a test to play, which means that the best England can do is a two-all draw. A drawn series means Australia retains the Ashes, so... And As of this point now, England cannot win the Ashes, So, and it's the first time in, in 18 years that we've done it, so uh, yeah. I know we're all incredibly excited and just want to pass on our congratulations to the Australian cricket team for a really tough fought, very entertaining series. Like we've said throughout many of our podcasts over the last few weeks, that it has just been a fantastic spectacle for cricket in general. Mm. Um, we're happy to have come out on the right side of it when it's all said and done, but um, even if oh, we, it was God. another series that we lost... After we sort of licked our wounds and got over it, we would have appreciated just how quality the cricket was. Similar to that 2005 series, this is going to be a, a great series and a really great way to kick off the, the first World Test Championship. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But didn't it like milk every minute out of our sleep time that, that it probably could? You know? Yeah, there was no like wrapping it up nice and early, no like la fifth day collapses to get us to bed early. It was. Uh, uh, yeah. Made us. <laughs> <laughs> Made us earn every minute. Mm. Well, I mean, a lot of fight. Like those those English top order batsmen could learn a lot from Jack Leach and Craig Overton. That's for sure. Oh. Yeah, and they could learn a lot from me about staying up late. You know, that's yeah. it's pretty hard. Perseverance. You know, like <laughs> they're only facing one hundred and forty k. You know, just bowling. Need to, they need to check the Nielsen numbers to look <laughs> at Australia and see how many people were awake and might learn a bit from the, from all of us guys. <laughs> just uh, perseverance. Well, wouldn't be right to uh, keep going without sort of unpacking the test a little bit. Steve Smith, what more can we say about him? Double hundred on uh, in the first innings. Just... Let's let's cut to the let's cut to the Steve Smith because there's definitely not much to mention in the top order there. Well, again, Warner looking all at sea against Short Broad knocked him over again. Marcus Harris didn't do a great deal. Marnus Labuschagne another fighting fifty to open the um, open up his account batting at three in this game. Set a partnership up. I think that was the big mistake. They got our openers out too early and brought Steve Smith to the crease, and then that was yeah, it. England like, England were, were, weren't strategic enough about when they took their wickets. They exposed yeah. Steve Smith to their bowlers way too early. <laughs> what are but, you going to do? Just like bowl wide of the stumps to Warner or something. I mean, that guy is going to be. I don't know if he'll ever get back to what he was. I mean, that's a that's a good point as well. Well, I was as we we're talking, we've I've had that concern that um, you know Warner when Warner's got now had a run of getting out cheaply. It was usually due to the fact he was probably pressing too hard at the ball. You know, going after things he didn't need to go after, driving too hard when the drive wasn't there. But he was being assertive. Probably not correct assertiveness, but being assertive. This series, he's been so timid. He's been really worried about getting out. He's gotten out, what, two, three times trying to leave the ball in this series. I've got really big concerns about Dave Warner. As I mentioned it before uh, last week during the test, that's, you know, 
Dave Warner came out for the World Cup and he wasn't that crash bang run a ball or better you know boundary opener we were used to he was really circumspect he played the long innings and we sort of shrugged that off as you know he's matured a bit and he knows that he's got to bat a long time in this World Cup because if he bats a long time he'll go a long way to uh, to winning his games and we sort of we accepted that because that's what he did and it paid off he was one of the leading run scorers for the tournament but I'm starting to think maybe it's a little bit more than that. Maybe it's not just a maturity he's brought into his one-day game. Maybe that, that suspension and what's happened has really taken a toll on Warner because he hasn't looked like he's got any confidence at all in this series. And I don't know where... The, like we, we talked about at the end of the first innings at Headingley that there's about to turn the corner and about fighting 50. And then he came out and just got out to Stuart Broad really early again in this test. I, I don't know if Warner can turn it around. At least not in the next... I'd be surprised if he turns it around... I think the really big question for Davy Warner is, like, he's going to be there in, in in Australia. He just he kind of has to be, I think, in a lot of ways because Australia's his stomping ground, and that's the big thing that's separated him for such a long time from the likes of Usman Khawaja and guys like that. Is that he's historically scored runs overseas. The, I remember the last series in England he played. He never really looked comfortable. He played he played very similar to the way he's played in this series, except he batted for longer. He was obviously in a lot better touch than he you know was exposed to a lot more test cricket coming into a series like that and he was very tentative outside offs he'd score 50s but he'd score 50s very slowly like 150 ball 50s and stuff like that you know kind of just plodding along like batting like a normal opener would but that's just I guess that's kind of just the conditions you know swinging the ball like a big swinging ball he has to kind of play within himself otherwise he's going to be edging away, away a lot more the big measure of him will be coming over to Australia and how he goes in the home series and he might he might just turn into like one of those you know home track bully kind of things which isn't a bad do thing you, I guess do you swap him out for the last test and maybe just go back him to have one more crack at it leave us well, the uh, winning uh, side uh, together they still want to win this test don't they like that's the you got the mentality of that squad has got to be like it'd be a good question to pose, I guess, to the English team at the moment is how much of that win was just they they would have celebrated crazy, you know, that whole story of Jack Leach going out and reenacting his run and everyone staying up late and celebrating like they'd won a series kind of thing. You know, how much of that has just kind of petered away their performance since then? Mm. And I don't think it necessarily has. I think, you know, they've been performing the same way they have been performing all series, but I think Australia just needs to aim up and they need to try and go well in this next game. Well, Ricky you need, you need, You've got to go out and try and be competitive. Like, especially for guys like Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne and guys like that who are in good form, you've got to keep that form going. You can't just kind of... Like, you've got to go in with That's that That's certainly the message edge. coming out of the Australian But, but we haven't won the series. We've mm. only... We've only... We can't lose it. it. We can't lose it, yeah. So that's the message coming out of the Australian camp is that we've got no interest in just retaining the Ashes. We want to win the Ashes. With the World Chess Championship, every test match is a live test match. So there is no sort of taking it easy because we can't we can't lose the yeah. series. So, 100%. Um, but I just think like, it's, it's got to come down to the individual as well. Like it's, it's a good message to send and that's what the message that... Do you, do you think that Dave Warner is in our best 11 to win this next test match. I mean, who, do you, who are you replacing him with? What, like, what would be the makeup that you'd replace him with? Well, I suppose your only other option is really to go back to Kawaja or back to Bancroft. Uh, Bancroft, but both of who have looked better against Stuart Broad. Stuart Broad's averaging nearly 40 against right-handers in this series, mm. as opposed to about 11 against left-handers. So um, there's the opportunity to maybe just go to Bancroft and just throw Broad's rhythm off a little bit. And yeah, but then what do you do about Harris? I mean, like, it's it's a bit hard to kind of... Like, neither one of our openers at the moment are in any good form. Harris you, hasn't got three ducks in a row, though, all largely out the same way. Um, like, I, I, I for one, think they're probably going to stick with Warner because their, their view is that he'll turn it around when we get back to Australia. 
that being said, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to them just going to Bancroft, look, you've got the last test, and we'll have a look at what our test openers are going to be for the first test back in Australia a bit later on, but for the sake of this one game, you're in our best 11 for this one game. You know, I, I think the right move is actually to fly Joe Burns in. They're not going to do that. Oh, they won't. Because the selectors will never admit that they're wrong. That That's a clear sign that they were wrong. Do we ring the bell at this point? Because I think that's that's the yeah. quota, because it's just, we've been screaming for this bloke, and he needs, no. to, he needs to be in the, like, at least bring him in the conversation for the next series. The other option is to, to bring Marnus up to open. Oh, well, he, he wasn't uh, open to begin with. That was kind of the but, talk. But I, I, I think if he's going well where he is, yeah, don't, don't, don't mess, mess with the um, Oh, 100% I agree. But I just think, yeah, like for this test, they're probably going to stick. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But like I say, the one, the one guy who should be getting blooded in this next test isn't in England at the moment. The only, the only change that I can see happening will be Pat Cummins coming out for someone. He looks Cummins because he's he done, did look tired. He's had he? a lot of work in these four games. He's done his job. And I know the traditionalists will say, Oh, you know, Lily and Thompson wouldn't have dragged themselves off when they won a test series. They'd want to keep playing the test, blah, blah, blah. But Pat Cummins owes no one anything. Like, he, you could tell by the end of that he was putting everything in. Like, you know, just literally he was throwing everything down and just trying to get that victory. But he was he was running on pure adrenaline by the end there. Like, he, he'd done his job kind of thing. So, Siddle in then for Cummins? Siddle, baby Pattinson. I, to be honest, I wouldn't mind giving Nisa a run to be... Yeah, oh, he's I, a guy that's... Well, I, I think really he's well definitely deserved it, but I don't think they'll risk it. But he's trolled really well, hasn't he? Always been one of the leading Sheffield Shield wicket-takers with the Duke ball. Like, I think they see Nisa as more of a bowling all-rounder than a genuine first-string bowler, so I, I can't see yeah, it's it It's not being... really like for like, I guess, in that regard. So, yeah, I, I would imagine if they're going to drop Pattons, uh, drop Cummins, they'll bring in Siddle or maybe Pattinson, though Pattinson didn't bowl well in the second innings at Headingley. He was... A bit wayward, so I could see maybe that working against him. And they might go Siddle because Siddle's more miserly. And I believe he took five or six wickets in the yeah, game at the Oval the last time he played there. So it could be something. Not to mention, he's, he's a bit of an all rounder himself as well. But I will say, just just while we're on Peter Siddle, um, he was uh, flying your flag during the week as well. I shared that with you boys on the messenger feed that we've got going. Um, Oh, the retaliation to Harmison's Yeah, Harmison's come out and you know, he just said, at the end of the day, everything that Steve Smith does is tainted, blah, blah, blah. You know, just being the genuine shock jock that he probably has resorted to nowadays. But oh, he's come out and, irrelevant and he, is what you mean to say about Steve Harmison. The only, people people know, only reason people know who he is is because of that wide that he bowled at the Gabba. Like, the Harmison ball. Like, he has faded well into obscurity. It was just really good to see that point brought up. The whole you were in that series, two thousand and five, where and you systematically numerous players have, the... have said that you know we use Murray's mints or whatever to shine up this ball it, it, to the point where he was actually saying he can't, I can't believe he used the term sugar coating yeah. in you know what he was saying about Steve Smith when <laughs> you were genuinely sugar coating the ball. <laughs> That's yeah. brilliant. It's good, to, and you don't see too many. Um, you see plenty of media outlets running that sort of, let's not forget that England you know, did this in 2005, but for some reason there just seems to be this like universal like ceasefire with all of the, the players that we don't talk about what England did in 2005. Not too many, there's not too many retaliations about well, England's transgressions, but it's a really refreshing to see a, an active test cricketer going, mate, you guys Everyone's went hard to the same brush in 2005 and you got away with it, so maybe you should just be quiet. Every country's got some history of at least being questioned about ball tampering, but... Well, <laughs> all things aside, 
got the series sewn up. What a masterful bowling display from Hazelwood and Cummins. Smith, again, is just... <laughs> what can we more can we say? Oh Tim Payne chipping in with the, uh, with the bat. Um, yeah, and I told him to do it. Mitchell Stark as well, reminding us that he's not just a, a one-trick pony, coming in and hitting a runner ball 50 to help us out in that first inning. So it was a really great, complete team performance. I don't think Stark quite had the impact with the ball they were expecting, but... Um, yeah, did enough. He, did he, enough. he hasn't come forward at all. He's still the same bowler. He, he will bowl you that Jaffa. You know, that one that got best, I was so good. I was sitting out there on one of the days, hanging out with, with one of our good mates, Simon, my cousin. Shout out to Simon, by the way. Um, so it, we were sitting there watching stuff. it, and I just think, <laughs> it, what, the way he started one of those spells, it was just, they, they want him to bowl good lengths, and he's not a good length bowler. I think he needs to be kind of on a pushing on a fuller length kind of thing. And I understand yeah. that they've got these plans in place, but they just don't. He doesn't seem in himself to know what lengths he wants to bowl, and they seem to be telling him to bowl these lengths, which clearly aren't the appropriate lengths for the kind of bowling that he does. Yeah, he he needs to be really like if he's got the new ball, he needs to be pushing it up there really full, really risking getting driven first up. Even um, if they go for a more defensive field, because it's not going to be that often that you're going to get an edge to third slip with a left arm over kind of bowler. So you go to two, two slips. And a gully. Uh, but what I mean is like, you don't worry about getting him out that way. You go more for the LBW bold yep. kind of thing. Give him the protection that he needs in order to bowl that length. Let's just talk about that, those final, the second innings, I think, is Steve Smith coming out scoring that 80 uh, England got on top early. Like, again, this test match to and fro. England got on top early and got us four for 40 for Wade. Came and sort of was Robin to Steve Smith's Batman and got us heading back the other way. I think that was an important 30-odd. Yeah, um, Wade's Wade. had some important important innings where he probably should have gone on with it a little more, but it still was valuable time at the it's crease. It's that number six position, though, isn't it? We, we, we already addressed this like, earlier. Like, number six is a, is a difficult role, and... He, he's he's been scratchy. I'll say that much. I, I like you. Boys, you boys are Matty Wade's big fans, but and I like him and I want him to be that number six. But um, he's had some rough performances, but he's had some very good performances as well in this series. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, when you consider, you got to think about what was happening when he came in. Yeah, four and, for forty when he's coming in, and England well on top at that point. Their tails are up. Broad and Anderson, uh, Broad and Archer, sorry, both taken wickets. Yeah. You know, they, they could have potentially rolled us for 60 like we did um, to them last last series. And then they would have... Uh, last series, last test. And then they would have only been chasing like 250 for the win. And you'd back them to get that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, probably similar to Headingley in a lot of ways where they kind of... We, we definitely left runs out there. And next thing you know, bloody... They're chasing it down quite comfortably. Well, at first, we had a much better... F- first innings margin I think which sort of helped us yeah, out quite a bit yeah that's true but it, it, there were similarities yeah similarities there and then so Australia gets themselves I think England needing 383 to win and um, could you ask for a better start Pat Cummins you know if, it, if Steve Smith was a, a mere mortal Pat Cummins would have to be close to your player of the series I think but he comes out and knocks out Burns Burns was a little bit unlucky I mean it's that kind of leading edge that could have gone anywhere um, and if anything, he was early on it, but still a kind of... Yeah, but that's that's his technique, it seems to be as well. He's kind of... 
like how many of those balls have we seen where he's played that shot and he's well, been closing, early on it or something like the face and it's gone through gully yeah. or slip or something yeah. like he's yeah. been very lucky this series Burns and he's nowhere near the player that like I think he's He's actually his numbers have kind of flattered him in a lot of ways for how scratchy he's looked, but it's just good to get him early. He's got a good way of hanging around. Like, yeah, he's looked scratchy, but he just he doesn't seem to let it affect him too much. He just focuses on the next ball. I mean, it, if you got one or two knocks looking scratchy, then you'd probably go a bit lucky. But he's got I think he's got three or four pretty decent starts. So he's, he's the kind of he's, opener. He's, like, like I say, he's the, he's the opener that Australia needs. He's a guy who he, he's quite happy. Like he's very Alistair Cook esque. So they're just kind of. You know, like you say, it doesn't affect him. Cook he's, left he's, the ball a lot better than, um, well, than Burns. But does, his mentality but is is very similar. It's yeah, just like the next ball. He, he's very like inwardly focused in the sense that it's just like that next ball is all that matters. It doesn't matter if he played a shit shot two two balls ago. But there are some rough edges around his technique, which 100%. means he's going to get out early. Things like that. I mean, that back lift. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, he's going to close the face real real early if when you. When you're coming across like this, yeah. that's, that transfers to podcast, doesn't it? Look, look. Yeah. <laughs> but you've all, you've all seen his back left. Um, and then following it up, first ball, Joe Root ain't pitching in, seeming away, top of off. Captain is gone, first ball. Well, what, how do you feel if you're Joe Root? Like, oh, like Joe Root's got to be walking off thinking, what? I've lost the ashes. Yeah, like, and that's the thing I'd say. Like we're, we're talking about Joe Root and his, his golden ducks and all this kind of stuff. He has got some cracking pills this series, and mm. you know, like and that's what happens when you lose. Like in that in that batting lineup, when you lose him for, to just to just a cracking delivery, and then bloody Ben Stokes a couple, like you know, a little while later, playing a ball, playing and missing a ball. Where like how many plays and misses did he have in Headley where it was just like just knock your stumps over, just do something, man, for us. Just like you've. You've had so much luck out here, and he just he lost his luck this game, and suddenly he played. He, he tries to half leave a ball, and en- ends up edging it towards slip and or towards keeper. Sorry, and that, yeah, was, that was when we kind of you know that was it was it was on then it was so on. Yeah, he just couldn't do anything about it though. Like, like there, yeah. there's not many right-handers that would have played that properly first ball in mm. the fading light like that. Feel for Joe Root there, you know, trying to come in and save the game for his nation. 100%. And that's gets that's that why Pat Cummins up. is number one in the world. Yeah, he just keeps and getting the ball in the right areas to get wickets more often than not. And and he had all of this, you know, like years ago when he debuted at the age of 18. Mm. And then we broke like, him. He's and, crazy and good. That's crazy the best thing Australian, Australian, the Australian, you know, selectors need to realise is we can't keep ruining these young players. Like... The best, the best comes after twenty four years old. Like, gotta got let the body settle first because Pat Cummins is probably arguably robbed of at least a couple of years of good yeah. fast bowling for Australia because we just we ruined him so young. Yeah, but Joe Root got some cracking pills and yeah. some, some good deliveries too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to loop us back around because I, is, is that, is I that, missed the opportunity. Is that a Dave Warner <laughs> reference from a couple of series ago? <laughs> He's hard, does he, Joe? <laughs> Speaking of Ben Stokes, we brought him up earlier then. Um, a surprising bit of um, gamesmanship from Ben Stokes, especially considering Australia had full use of both of its reviews. Didn't wait for the umpire. Umpire didn't give him out and he walked, got a little feather on it on the way through. Oh, Payne took a catch and... I think he just knew the right was on the wall. Like, uh, there was probably a moment there where he probably considered it, but look, it was pretty obvious for all to see that he did hit that and... Well, except for the umpire, the umpire wasn't moved, and you know when you've got. You know the <laughs> Let's talk about the umpire for a bit longer, shall we? When you know, the, um, when you know the umpires are going to have a, or well, the Australia's going to have two reviews on there. You, 
you know, you wouldn't fault a player for just sort of hanging around and hoping that they're Australia going to second guess themselves and don't go for the review and you get a reprieve. But credit to Ben Stokes, and he hasn't been a, a popular player that we've enjoyed watching for quite a while. So we've got plenty of bad things to say about Ben Stokes. But uh, in this in this instance, the spirit of the game, he put his hand up and well, yeah. hand up, he tucked his bat under his arm and okay. off he went. Especially with well, he, he could have wasted the, time too, like. If, if he waits for the review, you know, like... <laughs> you know, think, they, they, they make sure that it's definitely right. It's, def- it's definitely not your mentality out there when um, you sit there and just go, oh, I'm going to waste some time. Like, they've just gone, oh my God, this is the biggest step Australia can take towards winning this test is losing Ben Stokes at that time. Like, I couldn't have faulted him for staying. I know Kawaj just nicked a couple that he had to have known he's nicked and he's waited around for England to review it. So, and you know, there's... Plenty of other batsmen have done it as well. It's what the review's there for. But um, yeah, Stokes yeah, didn't hang around. Yeah, our Indian listeners would uh, would talk about Andrew Simons. <laughs> that was an obvious one. <laughs> uh, it, it is, and especially with this in this day and age of technology, is a good sign to just see him kind of you know he's, he, like I say he got the use and he didn't use it. Got on him. Then a great team effort. Um, Tim Payne looked far more adept managing his side. Master Stroke, Labuschagne coming in. Gripping ball to get rid of Leach, then. Which I like the change. Like that was the thing is, brilliant bit of captaincy by Tim Payne. Just well, brave, a brave bit of captaincy. Try something, you know. There was a Ken Brockman. Never stop believing. And um, I wanted to spend a little bit of time now that we've unpacked a bit of that test is just to just to talk about Steve Smith. What people it was spoken about a whole lot during this test. Steve Smith is now the leading run scorer in 2019. Given everyone a 212 day head start, and he's the leading run scorer. He's mm, played three test matches. Let's go. On. That that brings you into brings you into like one of my favourite stats from all this is the fact that he's scored six centuries in England, which is one century more than the most prolific century scorer from England in England which was against Jack Australia which is just ridiculous so yeah, Steve Smith has scored more Ashes in Ashes hundreds in England than any English batsman in history I think Jack Hobbs and David Gower are the two leading ones with five mm. so that's how amazing like there's so many runs that we can well, throw just at a Steve couple Smith of mugs, aren't they? Um, you know <laughs> averaged 135 for the series he now has an average of over 65 the argument can't be anymore that is Steve Smith the best batsman in Test cricket today. That is just painfully obvious. Virat Kohli is the number two, and he's averaging 53. He's averaging 12 runs less than Steve Smith. Mm. It's like compa- and, it, and it's not like that. It's that like comparing. It's like, sorry, it's like comparing is Virat Kohli better than Usman Khawaja. Because that's the sort of average difference. Kawaj is averaging low 40s. There there is genuinely daylight second. So it's... And Steve Smith's done this over... Well, basically done it since 2013. Um, It's it's no longer is Steve Smith the best test test batsman in the world. Because that's obvious. It's now, where does Steve Smith rank all time? And I think that it's... Like, there's genuine arguments that Steve Smith is number two. I think... You're definitely right there as at the moment. Like, this guy has... And the, the, the most impressive part about it is the fact that he's scored runs in India. He's scored runs in England. He's looked comfortable. Like, like even before this series, he looked comfortable in England last time and he was getting himself out in stupid ways. And that was that was the Steve Smith of old. He's we like, had a double His fundamental shift to, to, to this one was that 
But he was he was still getting like I remember I remember one innings where he played two cut shots for four and then tried to slice the next one off and got caught. I a think cut he had three hundreds in that last series in twenty fifteen yeah. game. Yeah. That hundred and two yeah, singles, which is which is still incredible. Well, so that's why like I say he's, the, the, the best part about it is the fact that he's like not only has he changed his game slightly, he's been tinkering the whole time with that, but he's also changing his mentality as well. It's just like my wicket is now the most important wicket in Australian cricket and I need to bear that burden like he's everything he does like he's leaves he's like I'm not leaving that well enough and you know it's just like everything he's trying to do just as well as he possibly can not orthodoxly but just as well as he possibly can well just just some other numbers throwing your way so since Steve Smith has returned to the side as a batsman end of 2013 he's averaged 75 75 it's in six years, averaging 75. That sort of flash in the pan, that sort of purple patch, 75 in over six years is ridiculous. He um, has the highest batting average for away test wins in a minimum of 15 innings. So Don Bradman is the second highest, mind you. Don Bradman averages 96.8 when he wins a test away from Australia. Steve Smith averages 108 when he wins a test away from Australia. And that's in an era where no one performs well overseas anymore. It's been years since a team has gone and been able to travel overseas and and win games away from their home conditions. And Steve Smith averages 108. Steve Smith started his career, mind you, in England as a leg spin bowler. And he still averages 108. He's a beast. Like the guy, um, the, the guy has like he's and that's the thing. He's he's just a cricketer. He's been like he he's been so many things. And so like I remember him coming around. It, it was around the same time as um, Usman came into the New South Wales team. He was coming in and he's sitting there and he's you know a guy who bowls a bit. I remember watching him that first iteration of the Big Bash where he was taking catches on the boundary. Where I remember one where he literally got like a you know meter and a half in the air, caught this ball above his head. Think full fingertip stretch. I'm just like this kid's a special talent. That was just 2020 at the time. Yeah, he's, yeah, he was he's, pretty, he's, he's, he's been a man for all seasons. He's adapted himself to whatever needs to come. He's he was part of that um, New South Wales side that won the uh, World Club Championship. Yeah, the, yeah, well. which was a bit of a novel but, idea at the time. Yeah. Smith had the misfortune of bowling leg spin and being blonde, so Australia just went, oh. He can he can bowl, so we picked him at eight to bowl. Remember when Dave Warner was part of that as well? Even though he'd been well established in the Test team, he started bowling leggies and then, yeah, we got oh. and his run up looked like Warney, so it was like, <laughs> could he be an all rounder for us? He did get Amlar out. He with just his went for twenty spin, runs so. off and over in a Test, but oh look, he look kind of looks like Warney. <laughs> Some other numbers from Steve Smith's um, Ashes this time. His lowest score of the series was eighty two, as we all saw in that. Yeah, and that what was, was he doing? Like. He was accelerating <laughs> for runs. This is, this is one of them. He'd throw his wicket away. So in lowest test, lowest score for the series is 82. David Warner has had eight innings. He's managed <laughs> 79 runs. Jason Roy has had seven innings and had 79 runs. And so this... he's scored more. His lowest score, Steve Smith's worst time going out to bat, is more than two the openers have scored scores. in the whole series. One thing I want to do, just a highlight as well. So, my opinion is that I think that Steve Smith is the best player that we've seen since Don Bradman. I know people are going to throw names like Sankara and Callis and Ponting and Tendulkar especially at me. Lara. But just, Lara as well. I just want to throw something out here about just the appetite Steve Smith has for runs. Steve Smith 
will score 100 every four and a half innings on average. Virat Kohli is the next closest on about five and a half innings. All of those big gun players, yeah, Tendulkar, Callis, Ponting, Sangakara, Lara, all of those guys, Matthew Hayden, those big hundred getting guys, they're in the sixes, the mid sixes. Every six or so innings, they're going to score 100 for you. Bradman, for a comparison, gets them every two and a half. So Steve Smith is actually closer to Bradman's rate at scoring runs than some of these guys like Tendulkar, like well, Alice, like the, currently the all-time greats of the sport. He didn't yeah. have to row the boat over to England though, like Bradman did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we had plenty of time to shadow that. That's for sure. <laughs> Tendulkar is going to be hard to knock off that best that we've seen just because of the numbers that he has produced. But he's, as we've we've spoken about before, like you're never going to get a Tendulkar again in the sense that he's had. All the time yeah. that he wanted to bat for India, he got. He came in 16, he was played in a home series against um, someone. Like, they hit him from the West Indies, but he played uh, a home series against someone who they thought would be much better suited. At 16, you're not going to get a test batsman he, Yeah, no one's going to have that longevity, anymore. are they? And then he, you know, obviously Tendulkar is a very talented batsman. And because he was so talented, he basically became undroppable because India would have rioted had they dropped Tendulkar. So even in any form slumps, because he was practically deity level, Tendulkar was safe because there was no... He, he just got that, that, that sense of security that's just like, yeah, okay, he may have had... Five, six, seven—you know, ten matches where I've been a bit off, but I'm never going to get dropped, and I'm good enough. I'll turn it around. No batsman is going to have that level of security. You know, if we've got a player that goes for that long without scoring runs, there's going to be questions asked. Not in India. Like, yeah, there's that weight of expectation because there's a billion people wanting you to score runs, but there's also the flip side that you're just basically undroppable and by the end of his career we've spoken about Tendulkar probably had 18 months two years two and a half maybe where he probably was batting there essentially to tick off run scoring milestones he needed to get his 100 international hundreds needed to get his 50 test match hundreds um, but that's the most exciting part about Steve Smith as well I think needed is... to get to 200 games like so he's going to have a lot of these records that are basically just you have been given all of the time to do this. Whereas when you look at just the output of runs on average, I mean, we'll see what happens when Steve Smith gets older and starts to slow down. But I don't that's recall the, a that's period the of time thing for me, guys, is this is the most exciting part, is Steve Smith is currently this guy who has got very good hand-eye coordination. I just want to see what the next part is for me. Because I, I think, like I say, Steve Smith has proven he can be a man for all seasons. He can be very adaptable. So the next step that he has to take is he has to kind of, like when he starts losing that hand-eye a bit, when he starts getting a bit more shady, he needs to start working on his, his next part of his game but where he's going to be a bet, like, you know, you, keep you, that. You tell me going. another international player that's had a six-year run where he averages in the 70s. I think Ponting went on a really good run. Six years? Six-year run? Well, no, I don't think a six-year run. Like, I, I can so, think, like, uh, there's a run of, you know... 18 months, two years, three years, maybe where they're sort of averaging 60s, early 70s. Sangakara went on one when yeah. he dropped the gloves and he was averaging 70 as a batsman for for a little while. But six years, this is the bulk of Steve Smith's career when he's been picked as a batsman. He has averaged 75 almost. 
Mm. He's averaging 65 for his whole career, which is still, what, five runs better than second best all time. Yeah. And that's, and, that's, and, that's, and it's not like that effect where, you know, Hussey had a massively high average for a long time because he just hadn't hadn't had his form slump and then the form yeah, slump. Yeah, Smith's came. had hundred and twenty two innings. This is mm. this is a legitimately well entrenched, well established career. Over a hundred innings and he's averaging in the you know, sixty five. What, what he needs but, to do is um, uh, take a take a leaf out of Adam Voge's book and <laughs> There's not there's no questioning Steve Smith's excellence, but I think at the same time those stats are very much held by a home a home series where he's averaging probably you know, like he I'd averages like a hundred when he wins games overseas. And that's minimum fifteen games. But we, that's that's also discounting series where we've lost to Sri Lanka and series where we've lost to India. Like we haven't won that many series away from home. Like it's, it's an impressive minimum, stat. Minimum fifteen games. So like he 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 carries his. He's one of the only batsmen that does translate his game. Like he had that great series over in India where he's. Um, well, I think what Coley scored like a hundred runs in that whole series. Well, that, don't get me wrong. That that series in India, like the last time out was the most impressed I've been with a with a touring captain of Australia in a very long time was like and the stories I heard of him like like I say like, that's just another thing he's like he's a man for all seasons he's adapting himself he was facing balls in the nets in that series where he was bolt, like facing spinners that were just deliberately gripping the ball for miles and just not wearing pads because he knew he needed to hit the ball in India because Getting wrapped on the pads is largely just leaving your life in the in you know in the hands of guys just tearing you to shreds. So he was just like, if I'm going to wear these, I'm going to it's going to it's going to hurt. And it's not going to be a fun experience for. Put me. little spikes in the ball so if they hit in the leg, they just <laughs> exactly. Stick. It wouldn't surprise me if he did. Know. Like the guy, the guy is a beast. I know and, he's a bit. It's it's um, almost a bit manic the way he practices. You know, it's like oh, I got out in the tour game. I better get in the nets. You know, yeah. He almost like. He could take his swag into the nets and just, like, sleep there. It's very WG Grace where it's just like, you know, these guys wanted to watch me bat and I only got 25 runs, so I'm going to go out and give some net sessions as well. But it wasn't even that. It's just he wants to, like... I, I've I've left some shots out there that I need to play kind of thing. It's, it, it's obsessive. Well, I've heard stories of him. He needs to face, like, a thousand, thro- like, you know, balls, you know, over a certain period and stuff like that. Just, yeah. like, he, he, it's ridiculous the amount of training he does. Like, And that's the thing is, these guys who, it's their career. They have to train for, like, what, six hours a day. Steve Smith, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, this, it takes up a lot of their life in the sense that, you know, they, like, our career, we just kind of leave at home like we leave it at work kind of thing and they have to kind of their nutrition everything else that goes into it but Steve Smith is devoted to cricket he is like it's not he, it's not his career it's his, his life but that's been the case point. at least for the last 20-25 years that all of those big guns Ponting Tendulkar Lara Callis De Villiers Sangakara Yusuf Yohannes. Yeah, Steve Waugh. <laughs> I don't know these guys personally, but even Ricky Sorry, Perry, those, guys, guys, those, guys, those guys are genuine professionals. They might not treat it as seriously as Smith does, but they've got, nutri- they've got nutritionists. They don't go and have days off. They're professional cricketers. Like the, yeah, This, I, is, this I, is not saying that they've got to go and have other jobs and things. Like, but that's, yeah. my, that's my point. Is like Steve Smith is devoting himself to cricket. And this is why I think Smith is the best player that we have seen. None of us well, have seen Bradman. So this is this is the best player we have seen, and he I, he's the best player that has cricket has produced 
since Don Bradman. There isn't. Tendulkar will go close, but I think Tendulkar gets. Well, he's he on could... that Pantheon because he's got so many just gargantuan numbers next to his name in terms of runs scored and hundreds scored. But I think Smith is a better batsman. Yeah, but the but if you're saying the best player, you're also you're all saying that he's, oh, well, you're also saying that he's just... better than like all rounders like Callis or oh, Sobers. I'll, I'll, I'll amend it to the. <laughs> The, the best batsman since Bradman but I tell you what with his averaging yeah I mean well if you look at some of those guys so Tendulkar mid 50s Sangakara mid 50s Callis mid 50s Ponting mid 50s Border mid 50s oh he's not to speak for himself don't and I? he's averaging even if you include when we've decided to pick him as a leg spinner he's still averaging 65 but that's the big thing though, as yeah, well. there's, there's, that, there's that big asterisk next to Steve Smith and I was just saying that he's he's still going yep and that's the big question. Right? Is, you know, there's that question mark next. He, is he what's may next not for be Steve the, Smith? The second best batsman of all time. He may actually be Jesus. <laughs> Think be. about it. Think about it. Mega beginnings. <laughs> he was born in a stable. Steve Smith was picked as a leg spinner. <laughs> Go on to have success where they get a cult following. You know, Jesus did miracles, watered a blind, cured the blind. For Steve Smith, just watch everything he did after 2013. Then he was turned on, turned upon, you know, betrayed, Judas, Warner, <laughs> and then um, you know, public turned on him. Jesus was crucified. <laughs> Smith crucified Smith, by the Smith media. Was crucified by the media. <laughs> um, you know, Jesus died. Smith was suspended. Jesus came back from his tomb after three days. Took Smith a little longer, but he came back after 12 months and just continued making miracles happen. Uh, he might be the second coming. <laughs> Steve Smith, you, hallowed be thy name. You, um, <laughs> you went there, as You went there. Yep. <laughs> I like the comparisons. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I'm not sure that certain people would. But um, I think if you look at the evidence in front of you, like I, pre- you, I appreciate it's almost undeniable. I appreciate the metaphor. As what's I that really metaphor? The metaphor. What's that first commandment? <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, yes, the man, the man's numbers are just so horribly, horribly impressive. But like I say, you know, you talk about Jesus, the story's not written for Steve Smith yet, and that's what I really like. It's just like, what's next? This this guy, for me personally. This has been 18 years in the making. Last time we took it out. He's coming on now. He's he's done it. Tick that box. Away series win in England. You know, Ricky Ponting couldn't do it as a captain. Well, he's not a captain, but he's a leader. Um, he's he's going to find... I just know it. He's not He's gonna not going to lose that drive. He's not going to lose that Absolutely. will to keep going. He's going to keep going. And that's what I want to see. He's just like, you know... He's, he's got so many more years of good cricket ahead of him. The scary thing about Smith is when you look at some of our great batsmen that have gone over to England before, Michael Clark, Ricky Ponting, Michael Hussey, you know, these guys in recent history for Australia that have been very, very good cricketers, England have had patches where they've made them look ordinary. Mm. And I, I, I genuinely don't remember a time when Smith, other than the, when he was getting bounces off Archer, and you wouldn't say any of those were going to get him out, he just ducked into one and got hit I don't remember a time where Smith hasn't looked comfortable and that typically well, doesn't happen when you go to England that's the thing you know like um, I'm touching my wooden table right now uh, he hasn't failed yet this series and and in this kind of series where the ball's you know swinging around you expect that you're going to get a good one early and 
get a single figure score at some point. But Steve Smith so perfectly negated that with his technique. It's just like you yeah. get that good one. Like I said, this this was a debate last England series was. He, he doesn't need to get out to good balls. Like if he, as long as he's keeping those balls off the stumps, which he's doing quite easily, because it's not quick enough for him. Like even jo- like Joffre Archer on the stumps, bowling straight at him, wasn't worrying him at all. Um, like he's over there, he doesn't need to worry about those balls. The balls that are outside off, anything that's outside his eye line, he he can just leave as well. That was where he was, his mentality was wrong last series. Was he was playing at those balls outside off, and he felt the need to always just like I can hit that for four. We know you hit it for four, Steve. But you can yeah. also get out doing that as well, he's mate. And he's just changed it now. He's just like I'm leaving. He's leaving so well outside the off stump, and that's like he like there's just there is genuinely like you know there, there's that there was that you know funny um, bumble um, interview thing where he's just walking around, generally asking every person. He's asking Australian fans. He's asking English fans. He's asking the groundskeeper. He's asking security. Everyone, how do you get Steve Smith out? Because genuinely, how do you get a guy out who is just seeing the ball like that? He's also heading into a ground where he's. Played two games and scored two hundreds. He mm. likes batting at the oval as well. So, mate, the number the number of grounds he's scoring hundreds at, I'd like to see. Like, it, like this guy is, he's a run machine. He's genuinely a run machine. Like, like no one I've ever seen. Like, the talk about the only guy I compare him to, and this is a genuine comparison. Like from my personal experience, is that Mike Hussey. Mike Hussey. The only reason I'd say that his average dropped as low as it did. Like he was, he he sustained that average of eighty odd. For however long, and it was only eighty odd. It wasn't you know. quite six years though. But it, no, it wasn't six yeah. years. But it was he he came into a team that was really good and scored runs quickly, and then he he went on a few really favourable series where he was playing away from home and at home against really good teams that you know it was easy scoring like West Indies and stuff like that. So yeah. I take nothing against away against these guys, but um, but then he had to go into a team that was transitioning, and suddenly he was having to you know he was still batting at five, yeah, and he oh. was having to score runs with the tail of the time and play stammer shots and you know that's where his average really dropped for me was where he was playing you know under a lot of a lot of pressure and I you know we were a bit. playing under that play pressure as well and he's doing an immensely good job but I it's just I think that one with a bit of rose colored glasses there he had some a couple of genuine periods where he was nearly playing his way out of the side he had some real lean Trot sort of in the middle of his when, career. When, where when about so? Like, like, like the well, he, he got clean bowled by Paul Collingwood. I remember <laughs> one time at, at the Sydney Test because I was there. Yeah, but like this <laughs> Paul is, Collingwood. We're talking about a guy who's averaging fifty right now, and Joe Root, who's like getting you know Joe Root's clean. averaging fifty. Well, he yeah, not anymore, he isn't. <laughs> but you know, this guy is, was t- up until quite recently talking about being one of the greats. Like you know, everyone gets bad balls, and Mike Hussey himself said, "There's no such thing as beautiful innings," but. Um, yeah, like you, you can isolate single games and single balls and stuff like that that look quite ordinary. Like Steve Smith in that in that first when he got when he got the concussion protocol, he came out straight afterwards like I need to bat, and he left the ball straight in his pads. So you can isolate bad balls, but Mike Hussey, the amount of pressure that he was under playing in that five position, which is you know in that Australian team was basically you know five and the rest kind of thing. Mm. Um, he was he, like he, he's he's the closest I can say to Steve Smith, and I'm not saying that he's in the same echelon. I do genuinely believe that at this point there is a genuine like he is he's about seven body lengths away from the the next closest horse in the race kind of thing. But yeah, he's it, it's um like I, there's there's definitely these guys have had full careers is the only thing I'd say. There's that Steve Smith is smack bang in the middle. He's just turned thirty. He's the same age as me. Yeah, that, that's. Like, like I say, the big question well, you know, mark is still there. Comparing him to Hussey, sorry, 
Go ahead, Az. No, You've been waiting to say that for ages. <laughs> if, if, Steve, if Steve Smith was sort of the last three years, four years maybe, doing what he's doing, I might put it down to let's wait and see what happens when his career's over. But just the sheer fact that he's he scored that first 100 at the Oval in 2013 and then just basically hasn't looked back. Came out and then backed it up with 200s in the Home Ashes series that summer against... Uh, against England and it's just gone from strength to strength and so from the but end of the middle of 2013 to now he's averaging 75 if it was 3 or 4 years 75 I might go let's wait till see where it comes out but I think at this point when you go in at 6 years averaging 75 it's just it's it's no longer... It's This is the standard I think now Steve Smith has established the standard and the standard he's established in my opinion is the second best of all time 100%. Right. I, like, I, I still completely agree. a very strong agree. argument. <laughs> at, at, this, at this point, but, um, yeah, I just... I, th- I, I think, think Jesus, so... I think, I think <laughs> the, 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 other, the, the other big thing is, I think, you talk about, like, there were genuinely challenging series in Australia when guys like Ricky Ponting were playing and stuff as well. That's the only other point I make, is that the, he's played on some very... And this is something that we've all been critical of, is just the very dead nature of Australian wickets from... from the Gabba or right the way through to Sydney. They're just all very same-ish. They're all very dead. Well, if think- you're not scoring hundreds, like Virat Kohli comes over here, he needs to score hundreds if his team wants to win kind of thing. Steve Smith's the same. These guys, like, they just need to score runs. You, you need you need to get hundreds. You need to average 100 in Australia for you to be worth anything. Like, it'd be interesting to see how this summer goes as far as what the character of the net wickets are, but I think it's going to be very much similar because it just seems to be that nature of... You want five-day tests in Australia. Can, can, Everyone that plays in Australia doesn't average 100, though, so you, you can say that they're not as lively as... But the, the guys who are being talked about in the, in the top echelon are... Like Coley. Coley scores runs Coley. here. Well, the, Joe, next, the next big question is um, Kane Williamson. Joe Root, we've just talked about, is the guy who's not... He, he's talking his way out of being that top echelon oh, player as well. he's not in the top echelon anymore. Joe Root's well and truly out of that fab four. He needs to find that fight, like I say. He needs, he needs to get a bit of Steve Smith about him. He needs to kind of, you know, go back and, like, reinvest himself. Does he have to get in the nets? <laughs> it's got to come all It's got to be organic. Can we, can we just... Can we just we just work on your guys yeah yeah tag we're on. just like looking at you like um but <laughs> like, say the line you, you know, say the line yeah. say just, the line Scott I, he, 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 but I genuinely think it's it's a lot more than that like it, it's 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 you've got you, like it's it's your job any three of us would have given a certain appendage to bloody go and play for cricket play cricket professionally it's just it means that much to us and these guys going up there and just kind of just, just they, it, it does. It doesn't matter to him. Like, you know, it's just like Jason Roy kind of giving his wicket away in a way that I just couldn't fathom doing if I was at that level. You're really not liking Jason Roy at the moment. I'm just. Uh, 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 he, I want them to pick he, two Jason Roy. I love Jason Roy. He's the most apt comparison at this point for me personally. And like I say, I think given the, given the form he's shown in certain, like even when he was playing Tests before, I, like I think there was. There was a bit of Dave Warner, but there was a bit of aggression around this. Like there, there was, but it was tempered aggression in certain ways. But now he's just kind of test before, didn't he debut this series, Jason Roy? And this uh, is debut. No, I'm pretty sure he came out in a series. Like it was a while. It was a very long time ago. But I could be wrong. Having said that, but um, the, the like his his mental approach, it just doesn't seem like he's you know training the way that a guy who's been playing Test cricket as long as he has should be. I'm pretty sure he's been playing test cricket since the end of August. 
<laughs> Ireland was his first test. So yeah, you're right. It was before this series. It was, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like the point is, is that he's an international cricket player. He's gotten to this point on the back of some kind of first class form. Either way, he's playing long form cricket. He's not. He's not started playing long form cricket the other day. Like his technique might suggest. Uh, we've, we've, we've established it well and truly that Jason Roy was picked for this series as a one-day opener, as and, an aggressor, and um, yeah. But, and we all know that there's a big difference between one-day cricket and Test cricket. I, I don't think that's we don't need to be I'm attacking. Just, I'm Jason just making Roy. the comparison because it's very happy because this is a guy who's very long confidence and like I say, I could quite easily. And I don't want to do it because it would hurt me too much to compare him to Dave Warner or Marcus Harris at the top of our order. But like th- this guy is. Like the comparison for Steve our Smith order is Mitchell Marsh. Mitchell Marsh is that same sort of person, bat out in front of the pads, one day aggressive, one day sort of batsman. But it's also, but it's the whole package as well. It's like this is this is you know you compare like, and this is why this is this is the whole point of this whole segment is that like, um, Steve Smith is just he's worked it out. He's worked everything about it out. He's like this is this is just the proper level of how you need to be reaching to score great runs at test level. And these guys are just so far away from it. Like, the guys in this series are so far away from it. The closest guy is Manus Labuschagne, and that's because he is properly just a test player at the moment. He's, and, oh, and sorry, the a long The scary thing player. about this series is Manus Labuschagne is the closest in both teams. Yeah. Other than... Or Ben Stokes. And he Manus missed a game as well. Like, the, there's lots of questions. Like, we're... we're, we're Sitting high and mighty on now retaining the Ashes. But there are a lot of questions for the future of this Australian Test side. Is Warner going to come back um, to be the player that we've known him to be? He's got 20 Test 100s. So, you know, he's the sort of guy hoping turns it around. You know, Labuschagne looks like he's going to be an option at three for the foreseeable future. But again, he's got to start converting those starts into 100s. Um, who's our other... Who are openers going to be? Is Warner the answer? Harris, for mine, still isn't the answer. He, um, got a lot of work to, to do. Travis Head, you know, I certainly think is playing himself out of being a lock for this Australian side. I think I said it in our um, preview podcast that I don't believe that Head is a, is a lock for the side. I sort of talked down a little bit due to the runs that he scored you know, against India and against Sri Lanka. But, uh, you know, he's certainly been... A bit scratchy in this series, so he's certainly not playing himself into any permanent sort of form. I think Wade, Wade's the wrong side of 30, so you know he's not going to be a long-term fixture for this side, but I think he's done enough to endear himself to get a bit of a decent crack at this side. Um, He's played some important innings, and important innings under pressure because our top order have consistently not done their job, so... Um, some real questions to the Australian cricket team heading forward. And And then then the leadership, because Payne's, Payne's, what... 30, he, I think he's my age, so he's old, really old. He's a good gloveman, and that's, that's what's keeping him in the team. But, but we can't just rely on him being a good gloveman that gets one decent score every dozen or so tests. Like We'll need more from our number seven than that. And it's enough at the moment, when, you, when you're comparing him to Dave Warner, who is like... It's not. It's not the fact that he's in a, down on luck. It's the fact that one bowler is just bullying him, literally bullying him at the moment. Like Tim Payne has shown a bit of aptitude to crease. He's he's played some stupid shots. He's the thing at is, least he's working on that side of it. But his glove work is still the top level in. The in thing Australia. is with Payne is he arguably doesn't make the side if he's not captain. When you've got a guy like Carey in the wings, 
And if Kerry... Kerry's got some scratchy first-class form, so it'd be interesting to see how Kerry's... If Kerry goes and has a really good shield season and just puts the runs on, and if Payne still sort of chips in with the 20s and 30s and makes the odd 50... Then who's how, who's how, there for you? Who's the how, captain then? Or Smith, would you'd think, would be the make the most sense, but Smith's still got that band to serve. So it'd just be interesting to see where they go with that if... If, but wasn't, um, wasn't that being imposed by Cricket Australia yeah, itself? So, yeah, so but can't they just be like, you know, we changed our mind, it wasn't they that could, bad. But they, but they, won't, they, won't. <laughs> they won't do that because at the end of the day, like Australia's dealt down the harshest penalty and they'll want to see it through. It's yeah. kind of the legacy of the last administration as well, I guess, in a lot of ways. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tim Payne. I think Tim Payne should have played a whole lot more cricket. And um, we've actually been, we've been dudded um, a really fruitful career by all the injuries that he's had. Um, and so I'm, I'm really happy that he's sort of got this renaissance at the back end of his career and he's Australia's second favourite man at the moment you know getting the ashes retaining the ashes for the first time in 18 years you know forgives gave a, forgives a lot of the things that he got wrong in that head early test but it'd just be interesting what Cricket Australia's feeling if Tim Payne you know he's obviously it boggles my mind how he doesn't have more runs because he's got such a good looking technique but he's only had one first class hundred, which was a double hundred in his like third first class game, and how he doesn't have more runs. So it'll be interesting to see if Carey goes from strength to strength and is puts on some runs for for South Australia and Payne sort of struggles a bit batting at seven. How long are they going to play that yeah, that, not, that wartime captain card? It's, because it's we not, don't need Payne to be the wartime captain anymore. We've got the troops back. The he's he's pieced Australia back together and galvanised them and got them through the scandal and now we're. We've got the ashes back. We're on the upward trend. How long is it before he gets a polite tap I, on the shoulder and goes, well, I'm looking forward about to retiring? That. In a lot of ways, I'm looking forward to that, though, as well, because well, it's going to be that mad beat-up like they had when uh, Steve Wall retired. It's going to be a bit of who's going to be the next captain. Yeah. I think but, I think we'll have a pretty good idea by that point who it was going to be, but... Um, it, it should be Steve Smith. Steve Smith should get it but, back. But, I, but I'd like to see, you know... As if Steve Smith wants it back. If Steve Smith doesn't want it, then... At the end of the day, at the end of the day I think... Let the guy score some runs. Like I, I, I like the precedent set by a few different teams where it's you know your best bat doesn't need to be a captain all the time. Well, like it's it, I don't think it'll necessarily harm his batting that much, but I just think if, if there's a guy who's you know could possibly do do as good a job if not better job, then why not? Like he's almost doing too good of a job when he's not captain now. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> he's playing himself out of the captaincy. It's like oh well, he averages more when he's not the captain. But when he's captain, he averages. And that's, and that's the thing is we're all sitting here and like acting like you know he, like the captain the captain's you know the only person running the ship out there it's not like it's not like a bloody you know military position it's just Steve Smith will still throw in his advice yeah even if he's not the captain he has been this whole test series but no no yeah. he hasn't that was all Tim Payne like that Labashane in I think Tim Payne went against some of the people he was sort of advises him to bring in Labashane to him. He's, like, he's still talking things. Oh, absolutely. He's still doing... Like, he's still, he's mad still not involved. to go to these guys. He's, a, he's an experienced test player. He's a senior player, but I think it's it's really unfair on Steve's, on Tim Payne to say that Steve Smith's basically captain the whole series. I don't think that's true at well, all. That's not true because he didn't play a test and yeah. look at what happened there. But... Yeah. but um, <laughs> I mean, but, uh, at yeah, the end of the day, yeah. Like, I think it really belittles the hard work that Tim Payne's I mean, put into this Tim Payne's been amazing, don't say, get me wrong. Like, to say that Smith's basically shadow captain from first and, slip. And to kind of amend what I said before, is it's, it's not... Like, when I say I didn't like Tim Payne's captaincy, it's, I think it's been an endemic thing in just, like test batting, not just even Australian test batting for a very long time. It's just the last batsman in with the tail 
is just going to get balls that get him off strike and then try and bowl to the tail kind of thing. It's you know it's it's not it's by no means a Tim Payne problem. It's it's a cricket problem in, in general. And that was the biggest criticism that I think we all had of heading yeah. was yeah. the way they bowled the, like the tail and the and the set batsman in Ben Stokes. Yeah, I said some bad things about Tim. Like, like, I think we all did. Tim, <laughs> Tim Payne himself would be one of those guys that would criticise probably the way that he went about that last hour. But doesn't matter now. We've got the test. We've got this. We've won at Old Trafford, and now we're heading into. We'll talk a bit briefly about the Oval heading into there. So Australia very keen on getting. That last win, winning the series 3-1, which I kind of hope they do because that was my prediction at the beginning. Yeah, we're on we're on my prediction right now. So, you're, you know, you're, I, you're pulling for the draw? I wouldn't mind if they uh, if they, they had a draw, but, you know, I, I also took Josh Hazelwood to, to take the most wickets, and I think he's... That doesn't have to be close. Broad might just still have him. No, well, Pat Cummins has got both of them oh, okay. a long way, I think. Um, how's Sam Curran looking? Well, he couldn't have done any worse with the Look, ball he's going to come and some of those 20. other blokes at the moment. <laughs> well, while we're on that as well, can I, can I just address the fact that um, I think I've been vindicated by Joffre Archer's performance. Everyone was singing his praises after that first game. And don't get me wrong, I think he's a very talented fast bowler. But like I say, it's a, it's a five-test series, where in his case it was a four-test series. And yeah, it's very concerning. He's that... kind of run out of puff in a lot of ways. I think they, like they, they, weren't, they were deliberately not bowling him instead of instead bowling Ben Stokes who was a guy who was doing so much batting for them as well it's very concerning that um, he hasn't been able to generate consistent spells of pace like that in that Lords game he had spells where three or four overs in a row nothing was below 90 miles per hour and now he's lucky to touch 90 miles per hour so I think that's going to be something pretty concerning either is he well, they, has he injured himself Is has haven't. Joe Root directing him maybe to keep some you know, gas in the tank and just be more skillful. Like, uh, that's not what they need. They don't need. They, they Broad have. is that guy. They need Archer to be that guy that runs in and bowls. And, and if you're going to do that, you've got you're in a home series. You've got first class bowlers at the moment. Like I say, Sam Curran has he's been in this Test team and he's been taking wickets and he's been batting really well. I was really surprised but that the, Curran came in. Didn't come in for Overton. I thought like, Overton being picking Overton for that last game was a bit surprising. I, I, remember, I remember series where he's like he's gone overseas and stuff and he's. Like it's zero 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 zero, like you know, very small, small small score, and then Sam Curran scoring fifty in the bottom order, and he's the highest score in a lot of these a lot of these games. Um, Do you know what I think it is? They were watching. Um, they had highlights of uh, Adelaide the day night game, and Overton got Smith out in that game. <laughs> and so I think they've looked at that and went, "Yeah, that's how we can get Smith out." The speaker bowler that's done it before. <laughs> but, but yeah. Like, if you if you're gonna go that way and be like like why get you know it's it's like trying to get a horse to run the Melbourne Cup that's a sprinter like they're two different things if you're trying to get a fast bowler to bowl you know slower balls that are gonna cut kiss off the deck and do a bit off, you know like off the surface then you're not you're not picking the right bloke in Joffre Archer I get that he's your kind of spoke your poster boy at the moment you're trying to build him up a bit but you're not doing him any service by trying to make him be a different bowler to what he is well, I think Archer has though I don't think it's a different bowler Archer clearly has those skills he took a uh, what six for bowling you know keeping some pace in the tank and using using skill to get so he can clearly do two jobs the thing that's concerning is that he hasn't been able to switch back to that 
enforcer role. Like, Joe Root hasn't been able to give him the ball and go just run in, bowl fast, and knock some blokes over. But he hasn't touched that. Like, so I think it's... He's always bowling long spells, though. Like, mm. they, they haven't... You know, we predicted, I think, that he would be that four over, five over, over spell guy. And in that, uh, what, that second innings that Australia had in the last test... I think they bowled something like 10 overs straight or something like that. I'm like, I don't care who you are. You can't sustain that pace for that amount of time. Mm. Like, I think there's a real, <clears throat> there's a, a, a sort of arrogance or overconfidence about him. Like, he, he won't, he doesn't want to admit that while he can touch 95, you know, bowl in the, high, in the 90s, um... He, you know, that he has the limits. He has to do it for a short amount of time. It's like, well, you know, you're well, human. I, I haven't seen a spell that he's bowled high 90s or mid 90s for Sist, more than one ball in a row. That he played. Uh, and I think that's the concerning thing. Like, I've got no problems with Joe Root going, all right, bit of a green top, cloudy, ball's doing a bit, just hit mid 80s get it in, angle it in, seam it away, and we'll get them, knock them over here. When he doesn't need to do it, and he can do the other... Because I think he's one of those bowlers that can do a bit of everything. And I think that's a really appealing thing about Joffre Archer. The problem that I think England will be concerned about is that he hasn't been able to go and do those two or three overs. Everything is at least 90 miles per hour, aggressive, fast bowling since Lords. He hasn't been able to switch back into that... that he tried it for a bit in that in that second test, and he's like he was cramping. He, like like I say, he's genuinely he's you know, third body, test, his second test. Yeah, well that's that's what I mean. Yeah. He's, like, he's he's genuinely not conditioned himself to be bowling like this. He's mm. been a twenty twenty player. He's he's a bit of a mercenary in a lot of ways for the start of his career, in the sense that he's taken big money contracts in short form cricket, and his body's not conditioned to be a test level player where he's running in religiously and, kind of and in his first test or, or the second test of the series there was a lot of rain interruptions so we got like a lot yeah, of well, breaks it was, it was definitely yeah. brushed on by yourself at the time like yeah, yeah. and I, I, I genuinely think it's kind of yeah it, it might have been a bit of a you know false dawn for him in a lot of ways I think McGrath had a really good point he made a comment about Joffre Archer going it's um you need to be able to fire up when things aren't going your way as well as when things are going your way and I think that's a little bit concerning too is um, you know, is it a physical thing? Is Archer carrying an injury? Is that why he's not reaching those great heights, or is Archer just mentally struggling to be that? Yeah, well, that, that that's five rand bowler. I guess, I guess, is that is that kind of speak to this like academy kind of cricket era that we're in as well, where it's like these young these young versions of cricketers aren't used to kind of taking the knocks. You know, they've all been that, like I remember we we talked about a long time ago. It was one of our favourite catch cries from cricket legends was um was a Macram's question about. And they've kind of bucked the trend now in a lot of ways, India, but they were asking about why India couldn't produce as consistently as many 150k bowlers as what Pakistan could, their next door neighbours, basically, you know, very similar in a lot of ways to the way they play cricket, but they just couldn't produce those 150ks. And he's just said, I think it's got to do with this academy cricket kind of thing where the Indian players are basically told from a very young age they're going to represent, you know, the first class, class level cricket, if not international cricket, and they're just kind of brought up very coddled, and it doesn't push them as hard as if you're just kind of this young guy on the street who's got a point to prove and is just genuinely trying to bowl fast because he wants to bowl fast. How awesome was like Akhtar like 
running like half a kilometre with his run up just like sprinting in oh yeah like, if, if Akhtar had a longer run up he'd be running from the dressing room to come yeah. out sometimes well, it, was, it was awesome they, they wouldn't allow that to happen now they're like mate you're running in from too far yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> and that's the thing is like Joff Archer is like he's the archetypal his, his build is just perfect for being a fast bowler well, that, and that's that why lords, it's just going to generate pace. But at the same time, he's got to, you know, that it's it's the same thing with Mitchell Stark in a lot of ways. That mentality's got to be there. It's, you, like you can't coach a fast bowler's attitude. You can England you can coach need, a fast bowler. England need Lords drop for Archer. I think they've got heaps of bowlers that can be headingly Old Trafford drop for Archer that have a bit of guile about them and wily and do a bit with the ball off the pitch. They've got endless amounts of guys that can manipulate the ball off the wicket but they've always struggled to produce that firebrand genuinely super quick fast bowler so yeah, which Joffre what, Archer what, is, but what England need to concentrate on is how are you going to develop that are you going to develop Joffre Archer to be the same as all of your other bowlers or are you going to develop Joffre Archer to be you know Brett Lee or yeah, Mitchell a, Johnson a guy who could pick him up himself up off the canvas and actually you know this look, I've, I've had a pretty shitty knock you know I've just been I've just been shy of a century in my bowling figures kind of thing bowling and not taking a wicket you know pick got, yourself up Joffre let's go again you've got to remember that he is a very young man he's played very little first class cricket and he's come from there's no doubt yeah, and I, I think there's so, that I'm very that, adamant that he'll that be a 2020 young, legend invincibility about him you know like so it's going to come down to how, how England go to develop him from here they need to identify that there's they've seen two Joffre archers in these tests these three tests and which one do they want and I hope for, for England's sake they decide to go and concentrate on developing the look, guy that we saw at Lord's and not the guy we saw at Old Trafford. I mean, that's the thing about fast bowlers, isn't it? It's just, it's like Patches O'Hoolahan says, ball. you got to get angry. you got to get, get mean! mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I think that'll do us for this week. So, as you can tell, we are very, very excited about the Ashes retaining them. Yeah. I am very, very excited about Steve Smith, like we all are. Loving the energy in this podcast. Like it was just, <laughs> we were very upbeat. Yeah, that's what happens when we win. What for... a win does. So good. So good. <laughs> You're only as good as your last game. <laughs> so uh, next week, we will see you all again. Um, we'll uh, have a bit of a wrap-up of the, uh, of the Ashes series. Um, and then we'll uh, look forward to other things. We'll have a bit of a downtime between I, I now and... I reckon we should test our predictions, you know, get little sound clips oh, of the... Sh- let's have a laugh at <laughs> that one. Well, my <laughs> predictions were 3-1 Australia and Steve Smith to be the uh, leading run scorer, and, and I'm pretty sure that's... Well, oh, Smith well, being the leading run scorer is pretty safe. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking, you know, uh, 600 from yeah. Ben <laughs> Stokes. <laughs> It'd be I mean, a draw at he, least, and he, I'd get two one. He did miss those three innings, so it's he set him back a little bit. <laughs> um, but no, so we've got we've got a bit of a downtime between uh, tests for Australia after this. So where we'll to next? That's the big question. Plenty of other exciting things to talk about, but we'll get to that soon. So next week we'll wrap up the Ashes, and we'll see you all then. Catch you later, guys. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.